0: You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast, featuring my very special guest and dear friend, Rick Rule of Rule Investment Media. Over the years, Rick has been many things to me. He's a dear friend, but he's also been a mentor, a sounding board, a sanity check, and an invaluable voice of reason in what is without question one of the hardest sectors in which to try and invest successfully, natural resources. The truth is, Rick Rule needs no introduction. He's a true legend of the business, and I have to say, it's been my absolute privilege to get to know him over the last 15-odd years. Recently retired from Sprott, USA, Rick has spread his wings launching Rule Investment Media, and he remains an active investor in the natural resource space, so I'm absolutely delighted to have carved out this time with him to get his thoughts on uranium, precious metals, and I'm sure plenty more. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, and This Week in Doom, our new podcast is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go, Hmm. So if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high quality content like it, please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, please enjoy the show. Well, Rick, my dear friend, what a wonderful chance to get to talk to you after way too long. How are you? Uh, The better for
1: being able to speak to you at some point in time. They'll probably maybe let us get together and have a beer again, uh, which I look forward to as well.
0: Well, you've you've done the almost impossible, it seems, and you've crossed the US-Canadian border once again. Yeah, uh, Canadians in their wisdom
1: decided that they didn't want non-resident property owners in Vancouver. And so they increased the property tax on our condo to 5% of the assessed value annually. <laughs> Grant, as you know, I'm a fairly experienced uh, foreign investor. And I've learned after 45 years that when a society signals that they don't want you, you're well advised to listen the first yeah. time. Yeah. That's happened to me in places, you know regular hell holes like uh, Sudan and Zimbabwe and Canada, you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Now, now uh, were those ranked in order or not? That was just random order.
1: Well, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe recency bias
0: yeah fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> apologies to any canadians out there you're the, still the politest people on earth and we love you well rick listen um the, the, i wanted to talk to you for, for a while now but the the timing just seems so perfect given the setup in the commodities space um the setup in the uranium space the setup in the precious metal space and there's nobody if i want to talk about that stuff that i'm going to talk to um before you so i'm i'm, I'm so happy you found this time to, to have a chat amidst what i know is a very busy time for you so thank you um but let, let's kick off with, with uranium because this is a market that um, you know well and you guys at Sprott have, I think it's fair to say, disrupted in recent months and years. So, so let's talk a little bit about the, the, the Physical Uranium Trust, um, its genesis, what it's been doing, and, and, and how you see the uranium market overall.
1: Let's dial back about three years. I remember you and I talked three, three and a half years ago. And you asked me what my single favorite commodity was. Uh, and I remember saying uranium. Yeah, uh, And it was really for two reasons. The first of all, it, it was really cheap. Uranium was selling for about 18 bucks a pound and it cost the industry 55 or 60 bucks to make it. Uh, so the industry was you know, spending 60 bucks making something, selling it for 18 and being miners, of course, trying to make it up on volume. Uh, and you know, it wasn't working too well. Uh, And it was pretty obvious to me that the price had to go up and the lights would go out. Those are the two choices because uranium is so prevalent as a fuel that if you don't pay the incentive cost to produce it over time, the commodity goes away. And if the commodity goes away, the lights go out. Um, The second thing that I liked about it at the time was that it was so roundly hated. Uh, If you talked about the uranium thesis in rational terms, dollars and cents, uh, people would bring up Chernobyl, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, Three Mile Island, And if you're a contrarian like I am, there's nothing that you like more than hate, even when the hate is directed to you. So it's important to have the backstop. Now, the sort of thing that you and I talked about happening in uranium has begun to happen, uh, which is to say that the spot price of uranium has cleaned up from $18 a pound briefly above 50, now at $45 a pound. So the thesis is more timely now uh, because we're partway there in terms of incentive price. What happened that was interesting to me is that the uranium equities for a while became so fashionable, despite some people's hate, that they got ahead of the uranium price. So I found myself in the odd position six months ago of being, you know, sort of a well known uranium pundit, saying, I'm sorry, the uranium stocks are overvalued because they got ahead of themselves, which Interestingly, got me a a whole new class of haters (laughs) on social media, not the Hiroshima and Nagasaki types, but rather some of the Reddit crowd who believed that they had a God-given right to see the stuff go to 150 bucks a pound. Uh, But that was okay, too. Uh, A few things have happened now to make it timely, however. The first was that uh, uh, my former firm, Sprott Inc., got control of Uranium Participation Corp., rebranded at the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust and listed it on the the, uh, Toronto Stock Exchange. In the course of four short months, we raised in excess of a billion US dollars uh, and and purchased 20 something million pounds of uranium. And that's important because the spot market in uranium was overstocked with inventory stemming from uh, the Japanese Fukushima inspired, uh, inspired shutdowns. I think, but I don't know because the market's opaque, that we have addressed that uh, the spot market has always been opaque and has always been illiquid. And I joke now that the spot market is being replaced with the Sprott market uh, because the sprock physical uranium trust is extremely liquid. And I suspect if it, it ends up being listed on the New York Stock Exchange, which I hope it will, it will become even more liquid. But that's less important than the fact that over 20 million pounds of supply overhang went to supply heaven. Uh, it's yeah. gone. The second thing that's happened, and I never thought this would happen, Grant, uh, is that uranium has become politically correct. It turns out that it's a form of baseload power uh, that isn't generating carbon. Uh, And the biggest problem in the near term for the uranium market has been uh, Japanese shutdowns and the very slow pace of Japanese restarts. The Japanese citizenry have never trusted their government, good instincts, and never trusted their nuclear industry. Uh, But that feeling is waning given the popularity in Japan of Japan's carbon pledges. And the only way that Japan can meet those carbon pledges is restarting their nuclear fleet. Specifically now, there are 18 built plants that are in the process of being permitted to restart. Note that these are not new plants. You don't need to finance these, permit them, construct them. You need to flip a switch. Uh, And I believe now that the restart uh, cycle will be substantially complete in 2022, which is to say that after Sprott has tightened up the physical market that became oversupplied as a consequence of Japanese restart, uh, Japanese shutdowns, the Japanese restarts happen too. Remember that we said before that the incentive price for uranium, including prior year write-downs and cost of capital, was between $55 and $60 a pound, meaning if the price doesn't move from its current $45 to, say, $60, eventually, and by eventually, I mean five or six years, the lights go out. What's important to know there is that that number was compiled three years ago. And we all suspect that that number is increasing. It's increasing because of supply chain inflation, which we've seen in other industries. But it's also increasing because of increasing social rents and longer permitting times. And so we have a situation now where we know that the price has to go from $45 to some number above 60 and may, in fact, overshoot. Uh, And we know that this is going to happen sooner than later. Uh, because Sprott took 20 million plus pounds off the market and the pace of Japanese restarts. What's particularly timely now, Grant, is that in the face of all this good news, the index of uranium equities has fallen by 42% in six months. So an asset class that is going to move higher has become cheaper more recently. Uh, A combination of very, very, very good things from my point of view.
0: It's fascinating, Rick, listening to you talk about this, and, and, and I could listen to you talk all day about it, because you're an experienced commodities investor, and that um, that experience is – I don't think there's anywhere where that's more harder one. And so, you know, when we talk about um, being able to say things when the price of the physical commodities is going up, being able to sit back and say, the equity is too expensive um, – a, it's it's a skill that you can only learn the hard way, and B, I think given the kind of social media phenomenon that, as you said, the GameSpot, the GameStock stuff, the Reddit crowd, they've come into this stuff without understanding that commodity equities and the physical commodities themselves sometimes trade in completely opposite directions. But just try and help people understand how to think about this and, and how you manage to maintain an, an objectivity about about price direction when you get such wildly divergent price signals from the the physical commodity and the equities themselves?
1: Well, let's remember, first of all, that uh, price is an important part of utility. Uh, Let's imagine uh, up in the Northern Hemisphere, where we are, it's still winter, uh, and let's imagine that you need a winter coat, uh, and you go to the shopping mall, or you go to Amazon, whatever you do. And and there's a coat, a nice coat, wool coat, maybe it's got a good lining or something, you like the way it looks and you think it's going to fit. Uh, but you're a little leery because you saw it on the shelf last week for 450 bucks, and that seems like too much for a coat. Now, all of a sudden, the same coat's on sale for 210 Is 210 better than 450 When physical goods go on sale, cars, coats, things like that, we're overjoyed. And for some reason, when financial goods go on sale, particularly if we already own some, we're terrified. It seems that the narrative is justified by the price action. So if you believe you're uranium...
0: The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website grant-williams.com.